ladies and gentlemen, welcome back again to The Undiluted Truth, coming to you from All Seasons Tabletop Studio. Do not forget to like, subscribe, and share. I am Ben. Today's episode will be more shocking facts from a world-renowned expert. Mm. Mm. And let's give a warm welcome to our host, Mike. Wow, thank you, Ben. And, You're welcome. And uh, yeah. welcome all of you rock tumblers and truth seekers out there. It's good to be here again with another episode of The Undiluted Truth. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, I'm glad you didn't go with that first thought, <laughs> uh, uh, a name, title of the episode, where it was going to be something yeah, yeah, on the way something. to sanity. I like that Ooh, that part of it, too. That could be another podcast. Yeah, something, on the, something happened on the way to sanity. Or shocking facts that are inconceivable-ish. That was my other one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Not, yeah. not bad, but back to some serious <laughs> information here. And the top world-renowned expert is none other than Dr. Garrett Vandenbosch, who mm-hmm. has been on uh, previous episodes. And if you guys have tumbled enough rocks, you know exactly who it is. So we introduced the first part of this on the last episode, uh, right after the Jackson report, which everyone loved, uh, yeah, and uh, that was uh, that was just great information from the Jackson report, featuring Jeffrey Jackson. Yeah, yeah. So that was good. Well, I I don't think we need to expound on anything at this point. Uh, let's get right into it. And this is uh, Dr. Garrett Vandenbosch being interviewed by none other than Dell Bigtree on The High Wire. So you guys that have listened before uh, know what that is and and who these people are. If you're new to the program, buckle up your seatbelts and open your ears wide because uh, this and this platform is awesome stuff. So, All all right. Here we go, Ben and uh, Dell is in the middle of this interview, just just getting started, and just to preview this with a couple of statements, Dr. Gary Vandenbosch came out several several months ago, and it may be close to a year now, with a warning that what is taking place with these vaccines is extremely risky and some serious lives are uh, are going to be lost if if nothing changes so right. uh and yeah. and he, he he's going to get into a little bit more detail of who he contacted what happened and so forth so all right all right here we go that is something you don't have in clinical studies for example right this is the population effect and so this simply illustrates that you have to, to be able to draw from all these several different fields. I was so fed up that we put an, many products in the pipeline in industry without even understanding how they interact, how they work exactly. And I was so fed up in academia that all what counts is, is publications. We need to connect both because otherwise we are in a situation right now where we put out products without understanding what's going on without understanding the pandemic, and, and you, you know my point. I'm 200% convinced that this is going to lead to a catastrophe, to a disaster. 
Here, you worked for Gavi on the Ebola vaccine program. You've worked with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, obviously, uh, you didn't start out by deciding to put your career in jeopardy as a world-renowned, you know, vaccine maker, as a scientist, as a, as a you know, professor. Uh, you must have reached out to your, your peers at the WHO, who I know you've worked with before, at Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, at, you know, Gavi. Uh, what did, how did you reach out and what was the response? Well, Dell, I've reached out uh, at least uh, three times uh, to, I would say, all the global health uh, authorities, a number of public health authorities, uh, CDC, uh, NIH, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, WHO, of course. And uh, I got maybe one or two anonymous uh, responses. Maybe I said this in an earlier interview, and I'm not going to disclose his name, but it is certainly one, if not the most famous vaccinologist on this globe, who told me, here you are right, these vaccines are basically just going to breed variants, but nobody is going to listen to you because you go against the mainstream. Okay, I think that's sort of where we stopped last time but let's, let's yeah we're let's, a little past that yeah let's emphasize this here mm -hmm. because basically he 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 put out basically a, a clarion call the, the the shot of the flare over the bow of hey wake up uh-huh something serious and and he did yeah. say he was he was 200 percent sure yeah i like uh, that yeah he's 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 darn sure and he knows this stuff inside and out. He's, mm -hmm. you know, he is a, a vaccine developer, and yeah. he just stated that, of course, he's not going to say the name, at least not at this point. And I don't know. I, I don't know if he mentions this person's name. Probably not. Okay. But he, 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 he dubs him as the, the top vaccine person. Now, yep. you know, I, I think that's subject to uh, – uh, I, I, subject to interpretation of what do you mean by top? I mean, is it the most well known? Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, I think everybody's you know first thought is is it Fauci? Well, you know? that's where my mind yeah, went. Yeah. Until he said virology, and then I was like, eh, yeah, I don't so, think that's Fauci. So but. this person <laughs> that he's naming basically told him this this should set us back in our chair. Said Garrett, you're right. Mm -hmm. So almost yeah. forget everything else other yeah. than what he has said before. His warning and his understanding is 100% correct. Absolutely. And he's 200% right about being 100% correct, you know. Right. If you follow me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm so, with you. I'm with you. <laughs> so this person is basically verifying we should be concerned, but – Right. Don't expect anything to happen because you go against the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Go uh -huh. more, more frustration. So I've had so many people ask me over the last week, and I say so many. You know, some people that I haven't had serious conversations with right. that I would like to. You know, some yeah. in my family, some not. Uh -huh. But it, it's it the the conversations go. Well, is there anything we can do? Where is this going to go? And we're going to get into some more of that right. and, and, and some clear understanding. But I think that's the question that we can continue to ask ourselves. Here, he's just confirming a little bit about what we had talked about on, on some previous episodes yeah. of 
with right. Dr. David Martin and, uh-huh. and Stu Peters with that same question. Well, he had all of this information. He took it to you know the, the highest uh, uh, right. uh, law enforcement yeah. officials in the land, and basically nothing. Uh, he was shut down. So, uh, wanted to emphasize that. Yeah, and uh, of course, also Dr. Garrett Vandenbosch. Listen closely, as close as you can. We can't change <laughs> his accent, uh, but uh, it, just listen as close. And Dell does a good job in uh, yeah. kind of uh, right, right. Uh, following up. So, all right, let's continue on. All right. Right. I mean, imagine, imagine. It, it is just, I, I have no words for this. I have no words for this. Were you surprised when you got no response? Is this the first time you've reached out? With no, I was not surprised. No, the Ebola story, I mean, it was the same, but it was uh, a small scale. That is what small, it was just, just the countries in West Africa. What was your job on the Ebola uh, vaccine. Well, I was coordinating uh, the Ebola program, and part of this was the vaccines. Uh, it was not just the vaccines; was also about a number of measures that uh, needed to be taken, uh, you know, to control more or less the uh, Ebola crisis in uh, collaboration, of course, and met with WHO and and UNICEF and uh, CDC and. Uh, uh, strengthening uh, health measures, etc. Uh, so it was uh, a, a collaboration between all these uh, international uh, health authorities. But of course, since I uh, came from the vaccine field, I was very much interested in, in the vaccines that would uh, uh, be deployed and that would be used. And what was that issue uh, when it came to evaluating the effectiveness of the vaccine and the safety of the vaccine? Basically, it came down to uh, the naive interpretation of those who conducted the study that the incubation time of uh, Ebola was, well, I don't remember exactly 10 or 12 days, and that therefore they would not need to start the clinical observations before so many days after the vaccination, after having identified the index case, and then you have the contacts that were all vaccinated. The endpoint was vaccine efficacy after, you know, so many days after the vaccination. But the vaccine that was used was a live uh, vector that everybody knows, and I come from the adjuvant field as well, uh, is very, very strong in inducing inflammatory cytokines. If mm. you study the pathogenesis of Ebola, you will find out that people die of a cytokine storm of a huge inflammatory cytokine storm. So what do you think happens if people who are incubating this because you, were, you identified the index case and then you were immediately vaccinating the contacts who potentially were already in the incubation phase and would have been the ideal controls. So these people are already incubating a disease that leads to inflammatory cytokine storm. And then you come with a vaccine that is well known to stimulate pro-inflammatory cytokines. So these people, those who were infected and were vaccinated, they simply didn't make it till day 10 before they started the observation. Wait a minute, so so let me get this straight. They basically said, we know the incubation to be, of Mm. Ebola to be about 10 days. Therefore, when we find the index case, the person we know that's infected, 
they went and vaccinated everybody that had come in contact with them. Yeah, but ring said, vaccination. It's called right, ring, ring vaccination, vaccination. Ring around the index case. But they said, let's not collect any data for the first 10 days because we know that if anything's going to happen inside the 10 days, it's, you know, it, it shouldn't count. And what you're saying is you gave an inflammatory vaccine to people that were potentially incubating a highly inflammatory disease. That's what we know, the hemorrhaging, all the issues. You are then creating a perfect storm. These two things coming together where obviously if someone already had a hemorrhagic disease of, of huge cytokine and was in, also driven by the vaccine, those people are going to die. So did you ask to see any data of yeah. those that obviously there were potentially deaths happening there that weren't making it into the evaluation of the safety and efficacy of this product? Did you reach out to the WHO to say, can I see the data before the 10 days? The question was very, very simple. We just wanted to have the case fatality rate over the whole period, as of day zero from the vaccination, hmm. compared in the vaccinees versus the placebo, just from the very beginning, and just compare the case fatality rates. So what is the case fatality rate in the vaccinees versus the placebo, right from start. I was working with Gavi and asked that question to WHO. We never got an answer because it was confidential. And then mm. uh, I remember I was on vacation and my boss sent me this paper in the Lancet and which revealed that there was 100% efficacy. I immediately knew that there was something wrong. But of course, this was, so to say, small scale was only West Africa. But just to, to tell you that this is not the first time that I'm taking a deep dive in such things, because I cannot stand it that, first of all, the science is violated and that people who cannot, who, how can laymen, how can laymen understand this science? It's very, very complex, right? For me, it's not even about, you know, uh, f freedom or uh, about uh, uh, conspiracy theories or, or even about uh, yeah, side effects. Okay, the side effects are important, but this is about a global health drama that affects every single individual. Let me ask you a question that I'm not sure I've seen you answer, but you've done a lot of different interviews. Explain to me in, in your understanding what would have happened had we basically really just done nothing had we no one ever like screamed there's a there's a deadly brand new you know pathogen uh, sweeping the planet no vaccine product uh is raced onto the market what would have happened if we just sort of let things go naturally well okay so that was a good question i'm gonna no, jump, question. Uh, jump in here yeah. because it, dell's just shifted everything that, that they were talking about prior was ebola yeah, and right. and and how basically he, how corrupt that whole operation was. I mean, you've got people that were already infected, and then yeah. they're, 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 they they're already having some sort of you know cytokine reaction in their bodies with the immune system and everything to try to fight this off, and it's it's sort of nip and tuck, if you will. Anyway, then they get hit with something that's going to cause even more of a cytokine. It's almost like boom, hit you with a super-duper uh, dose of something. And he said, well, they didn't even make it 10 days. Well, they didn't want to scare them half to death. 
Yeah, yeah. That's what get, it was. Well, that's true. They, they wanted they, the second they, dose to give it. Yeah, they scared them. They scared them to, to death. death. Yeah, pretty to much. Death. Yeah, and they, you know, what they did was they took, you know, everybody that was in, you know, that was in contact with this individual, mm-hmm. and the, and you could just about bet that they were infected. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that, and and you can hear the frustration with him going all the way back, uh, and hey. When he's bringing this to the attention, and then he sees it in the Lancet, which is really mm-hmm. the top uh, published, you know, the medical journal. Uh, you know, if you if you're published in the Lancet, at least before, probably yeah, I was gonna pri- say prior to two years ago. Because, <laughs> I was going to say at least it used to be the top. Yeah, mm. because they've been caught with corruption too in another uh, so-called parasitic uh, drug. Mm. The you know the okay. I mean, I don't want to mention it, but but I'm okay. but, but I'm not. Sure, we you know just there's a I guess a test number a test number one of the the episode, but okay. that's that's the one that everybody was you know uh, harping on, even though it won a, a Pulitzer as an anti-parasitic drug. But anyway, huh. they yeah. the Lancet was called to retract information on that because they intentionally. So the the Lancet okay. really it it was the the biggest publishing. Medical journal, journal, yeah, or yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think of another term, but anyway, if anybody that's anybody would want to be published, if you're in the medical field, in the Lancet. So okay. Um, now yeah. Dell's just ask him a, a the million dollar question, uh-huh. and that is, what if we never even brought forth a vaccine? What would have happened? Right, you know. Yeah. I think I know the answer, but uh, we'll let the expert answer that question. All right. Here we go. Well, we would have had a pandemic, uh, a natural pandemic, and uh, a natural pandemic that would have primarily or almost exclusively affected, I call them vulnerable people. You know these people. These are typically elderly people who have an immunosenescent immune system and an, an aging immune system or uh, people with underlying diseases or people who are uh, otherwise uh, immune suppressed. The only way to calm down a pandemic is to cut the transmission and that is only possible through herd immunity. So we would have had a couple of waves. Some people indeed would have died uh, depending on what would have been the possibilities for treatment of these uh, elderly uh, right. people and also people uh, uh, who are immune suppressed. And then, of course, you have the young people, typically, I'm saying this is not a childhood disease, who have a very strong innate immunity and basically uh, are not affected at all. They at most develop asymptomatic infection, right? Asymptomatic infection. And then, of course, you have in between people who would not have sufficient innate immunity to be protected against the disease. Those people would have gotten the disease, would then recover, and would then have built a long-lived acquired immunity. So that is typically how pandemics occur. And within one year, the virus would not have been eradicated, but it would have been under control. Under control due to herd immunity, to a large extent due to the innate immunity that all youngsters and people in good health have. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I hear two terms that I think I, that many of us have been interchanging 
perhaps inappropriately. I hear you saying naturally acquired immunity and innate immunity. And mm. um, I think many of us are confused that there's a difference between the two. So what is, first of all, is there a difference between innate immunity and natural acquired immunity? Yes, yes. And uh, what we call innate immunity very often, and I'm very often talking about innate antibodies, uh, in contrast to the naturally acquired antibodies, the innate antibodies, these are pre-existing antibodies, antibodies that uh, are already, so to say, pre-primed, that you have at birth already, not as a result of antigen experience, right? Mm. So a newborn uh, all of a sudden gets confronted with a number of pathogens. Yeah, he, he or she, you know, the newborn cannot have uh, all these antibodies because he has never seen these pathogens. Mm -hmm. So there is, this is providing them with a good start. The innate antibodies were found in every vertebrate species. Also to tell you how important they are from an evolutionary uh, viewpoint that they are in all, that you find them in all vertebrate species. So this is something that um, we have been completely uh, neglecting. And these are basically the antibodies that protect all these young children and people in good health from a disease that is there for, that is there for not a childhood disease, right? SARS-CoV-2. So the cells that generate those innate antibodies, we call them B1 cells. It is a particular type of B cells, uh, which is different from the B cells that generate the naturally acquired antibodies. The naturally acquired antibodies are antigen specific. First of all, they do have, they do have a high affinity for that particular antigen and they are long lived. And they are typically acquired when we talk, for example, uh, about SARS and uh, yes, and, and, and other infectious diseases, they are typically acquired once you have uh, gotten the disease and you recovered from the disease. And, and they have uh, high longevi longevity, so they are uh, almost, and even, even if they disappear, they generate immunological memory. And because they generate immunological memory, they can be recalled very, very rapidly. So that is also some misunderstanding. Many people are worried because their antibodies have disappeared in their blood. They should know that as soon as their body sees the antigen again or is re-exposed to the virus, that within no time, because there are memory cells, these memory cells will again start to produce these naturally acquired antibodies that then will protect them. So, okay, I just want to bring us up to speed. He <laughs> he said a mouthful, but oh, yeah. this this is this is important. So so uh, the quiz, ladies and gentlemen, uh -oh. the the, the there's quiz. A, there's a quiz. I didn't prepare for this one. <laughs> the quiz would be natu naturally acquired. Yeah. And innate. innate. So, so as he explains, innate. I, innate would be what I can give you two words. I, I don't think it's a hyphenated word, but uh, I give you two words that would describe that perfectly: the innate immunity. That would be God given. Mm-hmm. Right. An infant yeah. comes out is got and he's never right. seen anything. It, 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 no, no memory cells, no B cells that, right. that memorize any kind of uh, virus or or anything. So yeah. boom, he sees whoop, 
well, how does how is this taken care of? Well, God gave it to them. Yeah. We were fearfully and wonderfully made, and it's already there. That's the innate, the right, naturally exactly. acquired. Yeah. Is when you know when you get it, you've already had it's it. You find it experience, off. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and okay. then the cells. You know, he he got into the memory part of it, which is right. just fascinating to me. Oh yeah, uh, but there is a difference. So when you hear innate and naturally occurring, that's what the difference is. Yeah. Uh, so so kind of like a innate, similar to like saying precondition. I, I mean. It's before you have any experiences. It, it's your precondition. Your, you know, yeah, yeah, kind, but before, kind of thing. It's it's yeah, yeah. So, sort of before you ever got sick at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You were boom. You're a good starting point. Yeah, yeah. That's that. Like he put it. Yeah. Yeah, and it was there to ready to go. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you know another way to look at this is I think, you know, with what the mRNA does, <clears throat> you know, it's it's creating a virus. It's well, it's telling your your body to create a spike protein. Right. It's yeah. basically telling your body to do something that God never d- intended it to do or mm-hmm. design. So for me, Ben, it's pretty easy. Am I going to trust what God gave me or what man's injecting into me? Yeah. I don't even think I need to answer that, but uh, no, not no. really. <laughs> All no, right. Not to me, at least. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Continuing on. Just prior to explaining the difference between the innate immunity and the naturally acquired immunity, you were talking about in a natural infection situation where we didn't have a vaccine, had we just let this thing run its course. I want to just sort of summarize now, make sure I understand this correctly, that you would have had those people that would get the infection, usually the elderly that have comorbidities, they have other health issues that are bringing down their immune system, their ability to really fight properly, they're gonna be at a high risk situation. Some of them uh, could will potentially die uh, because they just won't handle the virus well. Then you have this other group, middle-aged people, you know, they can be different ages, but also that also represent sort of a different immune system strength and, and ability. Now, they're going to get the infection, become symptomatic, and in that process, their body will create these, these antibodies, the naturally acquired antibodies that have long-term memory. And that's really the immune, that's the only immunity we all really have ever talked about. For the most part, that's what we understand. My body sees this virus or a bacteria, it creates antibodies that are supposed, if if I have a natural immune system, it lasts forever. If they're induced by vaccines, maybe not quite forever, but for a long period of time is the goal of the vaccine. And then you reference the children as though they have a little bit of a different system. They have an innate immune system, as I understand it. And when they come in contact with the virus, they may not actually ever get to that place where their body is making these naturally acquired uh, antibodies because their innate immune antibodies are so strong sort of and capable it. that mm. they end up just attacking the virus very well and killing it before there's a need to go in. And, and, and I'm, I'm guessing all of that talk of asymptomatic um, that we've heard about those asymptomatic cases would have been those where their innate immune system reaction was so strong they never went into a symptomatic reaction which would have driven more of the production of those naturally acquired memory antibodies is that am i am i getting that right yeah 
And that is why we call it the first line of immune defense. The innate. Right? The innate antibodies. What we are talking about, just like in the field of acquired immunity, as you just explained, you explained and you have naturally acquired antibodies. And as some people will know, you also have the cellular immunity, right? So like T cells, for example, acquired immunity. Yeah. Well, you have exactly the same compartments in the innate immune system. The innate immune system is, of course, more than all this, but you have, first of all, the antibodies, which we call the innate antibodies, and you have also the innate or the natural cellular component, which are the NK cells, for example, the natural killer cells. Mm. So it's not like you have no other components in these systems, but if we talk about the guys who are doing the job, who are cleaning up stuff, either neutralizing the virus or killing virus-infected cells, we call about effectors, and that effectors could be antibodies or cells, of course, that kill cytolytic cells, also NK cells can kill, like T cells can kill. Is cytolytic yeah. means kill, like the ability to kill. Cytotoxic, cyto cytolytic, killer cells, it's all... Okay, and so one of the confusions that's been happening is that not all antibodies and not all cells are cytolytic or cytotoxic. Some just bind, some just do other things, but they don't actually kill the virus and, and sterilize it and get rid of it. Is that correct? Yeah, that is one thing. The other thing, Del, that is also important to understand, and I think uh, it adds value to this discussion, is that if you have antibodies, and now I'm talking both whether these are naturally acquired antibodies or innate antibodies, sometimes they are not strong enough to really do their job to neutralize, for example, the virus, but they can still bind to the virus. By doing that, by doing that, they can facilitate the entry of that virus in antigen-presenting cells that then cut the virus in bits and pieces so that the different pieces can be properly presented to the T-cells, for example, or to the NK-cells, right? Uh -huh. And that is how hmm. each of these compartments, the innate and the acquired, do have an antibody part, but also a cellular part that both can either neutralize free-floating virus or virus that is inside the cell. That is what the killer cells do. The killer cells, they kill virus-infected cells, right? I see. I see what you're saying. So you have viruses that are just floating between the cells, still trying to get to the cell, and then you have the viruses that are already in the cells. Those need different functions to neutralize. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Okay. And that is, that is the difference be between prevention of infection and prevention of disease. Once the virus is in the cell, I mean, it's already destroying the cell, right? That is what predisposes you to disease. So if you then have killer cells that can kill those virus-infected cells, they will make sure you recover from the disease. Whereas if you have functional antibodies that can readily neutralize the virus when it comes in, you can prevent the infection of the cell in the first place and you're not going to get the disease, Eve. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, the, yeah, I think one of the easiest ways to understand this is, and we've, we've sort of gone through this before, 
mm-hmm. and it appears that Dell was wanting to make sure that it, there was an explained difference between the natural, yeah, I know, like that occurring immunity and the innate immunity, and the innate immunity is it's it's amazing. Yeah, I mean to to think that you know these kids could go for several years as they're growing you know and and we went through that and mm-hmm. just continue to fight off any kind of disease and and do it in such a way that you don't even have to have a recall you know what i'm saying right. because we you yeah. know as you get older you need that yeah. memory you know part of the right. the cell to say well but we've seen we've seen these guys before but there's he's saying that innate immunity is so supercharged doesn't even need you know it's kind of interesting to me but one way to 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 kind of uh remember that is mm-hmm. well you know a kid it takes a while before he could even write so what does he have to remember not much you know he can't write that, hey i saw this guy before uh-huh. you know yeah. it, it, you know so the first part of his life he doesn't even have to take notes. The, the, the you know, those, <laughs> okay, okay, his yeah. immune system is so charged up, he doesn't even have to take notes to go and, and study and remember. Right. You know, I don't know. Just a uh, uh, just kind of a crazy thought. Yeah, and and I wanted to take us back quite a while. I just wanted to make a comment that I found interesting, and I forgot to mention it back a little ways back when he was talking about herd immunity. Uh, when uh, Dell had asked him if we had done nothing. If you remember what he said, he said we would have still had, quote, a pandemic, but within a year, if you caught that, yeah, we would have basically filtered it mostly out. Yes. So I, I found that interesting mm-hmm. because how long was it that we had the pandemic before the COVID vaccine started coming out? Almost basically right around a year. Right, right about and a year. We've, yeah. I've kind of made a few comments about comparing last year to this year or whatever, yeah. but but yeah, I, I just found that interesting that he said, "Oh, in about a year." Right. That I was like, "Huh? Okay." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Well, well, yeah. And 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 of course, I was I was going back to like what the Jackson report was was saying. And okay, uh, if you recall that in the Jackson report, that they, they're coming out now, some of the authorities, and I think even Fauci is going. We don't really think that herd immunity is possible. Yeah, it's I, just I, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a like, foregone conclusion. Now we just it, it, we it's, and the CDC is trying to change yeah. their goals. Oh well, we're well, right. we'll redefine success because we yeah. don't feel we can reach herd yeah. immunity. And and the bottom line is what he's saying, and we don't That's, know. It, it, what the key word he said is is of course he mentioned uh, comorbidities. He said you know those that are elderly, their immune exactly. systems might be compromised, exactly. and we would have had some deaths. Mm-hmm. But then he carefully said, based on what treatments that they would be allowed to use allowed to use oh did he say it like that i think i'm pretty sure he said that oh, i didn't re- i didn't catch yeah, that part a, if he did yeah uh, yeah and i i was i was thinking okay. you're exactly right because he knows himself right. that the restrictions of these medications killed no. roughly a half a million people and this isn't coming just from the all seasons tabletop studios, there's all kinds of authorities out there, and uh, this actually has hit uh, Congress with uh, uh, Senator Johnson. That yeah. he 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 did an, an an unbelievable presentation the other day 
about some of this, and hopefully we'll be able to to share that. But yeah. um, anyway, it, it, a lot of a, a lot of good information, sort of a review, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is there's frustration here. He's 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 getting into the facts, but there's frustration. Yeah. You know, we don't need to be continuing to play around with this vaccine uh, uh, farce. I'll just right. put it to you that way. So, yeah. well, um, I think that's about it uh, on this yeah. particular episode, Ben. Uh, uh, once again, uh, with Dell Big Tree, uh, good stuff, and uh, glad to be able to share this with uh, you know with our our listeners. So, absolutely. Well, let's as we close out, let's have a word of prayer. All right. Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for those that are standing up, those that are still sending out a clarion call trying to wake us up. And Father in heaven, those that are listening now, we pray for a special prayer for them that you continue to keep them in good health, give them a hunger and thirst for your righteousness, that we may be gifted with our sincere intent that we pray continually that remains pure, that we will see and know the things that you would have us to do and place us in positions to help and share this message, the the absolute 100% truth that we can help to save lives and wake people up because we know that you are coming soon and we want to be ready. So as we part ways on this particular episode, we ask that every intent of our thought be pure, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.